0: You are tuned to KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. It's time for the KVMR Evening News for Friday, September 11th, 2020. For their support, we'd like to thank the Nevada County Registrar of Voters, announcing vote-by-mail ballots being mailed out on October 5th. Online voter registration available at registertovote.ca.gov. The Registrar of Voters encourages participation in the democratic process by voting. Mint of Grass Valley, offering local designers and women's apparel and jewelry. Offering Pendleton, Vans, Obey, and more. Sustaining the local economy by keeping the bills on the hill. Next to Good Times, Mill Street, mintgrassvalley.com. Well, after a look at our local headlines and weather, we'll bring you NPR's national news. Then, KVMR's Allie Lightfoot speaks with representatives from Nevada County Agencies to who were at the Recovery Resource Center meeting held this past Wednesday, put on by the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services. After that, Christine Kelly from the Nevada County Relief Fund talks about the allocation of money for Round 3, which was announced yesterday. We'll close out our newscast talking with Ember Amador from CHIRP, the California Heritage Indigenous Resource Project, about their live broadcast and fundraiser, happening on Saturday. Coming up at 6.30 this evening, we're going to run you Governor Gavin Newsom's press conference from this afternoon. He spoke from the burned-out areas in Butte County. And at 7 o'clock, we'll bring you Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I'm Felton Pruitt. Now here are today's news headlines. As of 4 p.m. this afternoon, the Air Quality Index from Air Now, the government's air quality website for Nevada County, is calling it unhealthy At 173, they say that people with heart or lung disease, older adults and children should avoid prolonged or heavy exertion. Everyone else should reduce prolonged or heavy exertion and exposure to breathing the air outside. It's recommended that people go indoors and use air conditioning if possible. Use the recirculate setting on your air conditioner if possible. Wearing an N95 mask when outdoors is recommended. A standard cloth face covering does not help as much. The United Way of Nevada County is working with Interfaith Food Ministry and will be distributing supplemental groceries tomorrow, Saturday, September 12th, during the Food Access Saturday program. Food Access Saturday takes place every second Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 noon at Interfaith Food Ministry, which is located at 440 Henderson Street in Grass Valley. Ubinet reports that several wireless carriers recently petitioned the California Public Utilities Commission to rescind a state rule that requires carriers to equip cell towers with backup power. This 72-hour backup power rule keeps cell towers running even during natural disasters, when power grids may be shut off to prevent fires from spreading, and when consumers desperately need their phones to work. Today, 20 members of Congress from the California delegation issued a joint statement arguing for the importance of connectivity during wildfires. They are pushing Congress to pass the Resilient Networks Act. The New York Times reports that the health effects of wildfire smoke are not fully understood and that particles differ in some ways from other air pollution, which has been shown to cause disease. But wildfire smoke, which can include toxic substances from burned buildings, has been linked to serious health problems. There is no doubt when this is happening, people's health is suffering, said Sarah Henderson, senior scientist in the Environmental Health Services at the British Columbia Center for Disease Control. Studies have shown that when waves of smoke hit, the rate of hospital visits rises, and many of the additional patients experience respiratory problems, heart attacks, and strokes. Henderson said smoke exposure could have lifelong health implications for babies, though she said more research on that question is needed. The weather forecast for Grass Valley and Nevada City is calling for widespread haze and smoke with lows in the mid-60s this evening. On Saturday, widespread haze and smoke with highs in the mid-80s. Saturday night, areas of smoke and haze possible with lows in the mid-60s. And on Sunday in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area, Areas of smoke and haze possible, with highs in the mid-80s. In Sacramento, tonight widespread areas of smoke and haze, with lows in the upper 50s. On Saturday, widespread areas of smoke and haze, with highs in the low 90s. On Saturday night, areas of smoke and haze possible, with lows in the upper 50s. And on Sunday in the Sacramento area, areas of smoke and haze possible, with highs in the mid-80s. Tonight in Truckee, widespread areas of smoke and haze with lows in the mid-30s. On Saturday, widespread areas of smoke and haze with highs in the low 80s. On Saturday night, areas of smoke and haze possible with lows in the upper 30s. And on Sunday in the Truckee area, areas of smoke and haze possible with highs around 80. In the Angel's Camp area, tonight, widespread areas of smoke and haze with lows in the upper 50s. On Saturday, widespread areas of smoke and haze with highs in the mid-90s. On Saturday night in the Angels Camp area, areas of smoke and haze possible, with lows in the upper 50s. And on Sunday in the Angels Camp area, areas of smoke and haze possible, with highs in the mid-90s. That's the KVMR Evening News Headlines. I'm Felton Pruitt.
1: Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. In California, nearly 15,000 firefighters continue to battle 28 major wildfires across the state. As Brian Watt from member station KQED reports, fire crews are making some headway.
0: California's Fire Protection Agency says better weather conditions have helped firefighters gain ground on the many wildfires that began three weeks ago. But poor air quality continues to plague many parts of the state, and the challenges are far from over. 24 new fires sparked on Thursday, and crews were able to contain most of them quickly. But wildfires have now scorched more than 3 million acres in the state. That's 26 times what burned in the same period last year. And it's only September. Some of California's most deadly and damaging fires in recent years occurred in October and November. For NPR News, I'm Brian Watt in Oakland.
1: Americans are remembering the 2001 September 11th terror attacks today as the ongoing coronavirus pandemic changes how memorial ceremonies are being conducted and a presidential election campaign also affects this year's dynamic. In New York, victims' relatives gathered for a split-screen remembrance at the September 11th Memorial Plaza at the World Trade Center and another nearby set up by a 9-11-related organization – President Trump spoke at the Flight 93 memorial in Pennsylvania. Democratic presidential hopeful Joe Biden laid a wreath there at a different time of the day and also spoke at the 9-11 memorial in New York. The Trump administration says it now has two Arab Gulf states will be normalizing ties with Israel. More from NPR's Michelle Callahan.
2: President Trump says he hosted a call between Israel's prime minister and Bahrain's king and says they agreed to normalize ties. This follows a similar move by the United Arab Emirates.
3: I am very hopeful that there will be more to follow. I can tell you there's tremendous enthusiasm on behalf of other countries.
2: Palestinians objected, accusing the U.S. of trying to torpedo the Arab Peace Initiative, which offered Israel normal ties with the Arab and Muslim world once the Israeli-Palestinian conflict was resolved. Bahrain's foreign minister is to join Israeli and Emirati officials at the White House next Tuesday. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, Washington.
1: A pullback in the U.S. financial markets is sparking some hope by some that the interest rate-setting Federal Reserve might ramp up its asset purchases to boost the economy. The most market participants and strategists say the market pullback of the past several days is not steep enough to warrant any action. What many financial market observers believe may be more likely is that when the Fed meets next week to set U.S. monetary policy, it will switch its Treasury purchases to more long-term debt to try to ensure that longer-term yields stay low. Stocks wrapped up a choppy trading week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up 131 points to 27,655. The Nasdaq was down 66 points today. You're listening to NPR. This 19th anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks is being observed in New York City and at the Pentagon and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. As Terry Schultz reports from Brussels, commemorations were also held today at NATO headquarters.
4: Outside NATO headquarters stands a twisted piece of metal, a shred of the Twin Towers, to remind all who enter how that day changed the world forever for everyone. U.S. Ambassador to NATO Kay Bailey Hutchison was then a senator from Texas.
3: I will never come to 846 Eastern Standard Time that I don't remember gathering my staff together in the United States Senate and saying we may
4: be next. Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg recounted Europe's response.
5: The attacks were on U.S. soil, but we were all hit.
4: Collective defense was invoked for the first time. NATO planes patrolled U.S. airspace, Soon after would begin NATO's longest military engagement, the ongoing war in Afghanistan, where, Stoltenberg noted, peace talks start tomorrow. For NPR News, I'm Terry Schultz in Brussels. The
1: European Union is putting forth a united front to a proposal from the UK to break a tenet of the Brexit divorce deal that cleared the way for Britain to leave the EU. Britain law, British lawmakers are seeking to modify an agreement regarding the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland. Members of the 27-nation bloc warning there's little chance of a trade deal between Britain and the EU unless it reverses course. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News.
0: This past Wednesday at the Nevada County Fairgrounds, the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services coordinated a recovery resource center for those impacted by the fire. KVMR's Allie Lightfoot attended and spoke with several representatives from the county agencies who were there to provide resources. Here, Program Manager for the Office of Emergency Services, Paul Cummings, talks about the recovery process.
6: So the first thing that we encourage the public to do is to work with your insurance company. Make an assessment, an internal assessment of the losses you had. And then what we wanted to do here with this recovery resource center was put resources all in one place for residents to come and start that conversation of filling in those gaps that their insurance company can't cover. So these are going to be things like, and I'll just go around the room, Uh, we've actually got a church here that's brought in some buckets uh, with cleanup materials, things like gloves and masks, and the things that residents are going to need as they start to go through their properties to keep themselves safe. We've got two ladies here from the Nevada County Behavioral Health Office. You know, they're going to provide uh, mental health services for adults and for children because this can be quite significant. People have had losses, it's very traumatizing to have to evacuate after a fire, so they're here to provide that support. We've actually got a gentleman here from the assessor's office because now your property value has changed and that's going to change other things like your your taxes and things like that. So um, um, he's here to answer those questions. We've got somebody from NID. You may have had losses to your NID infrastructure or made maybe changes to your bill now because you're not using NID um, resources. We have somebody from AT&T who can answer those questions about um, billing or connectivity. Uh, We have Department of Social Services here to help you with any unmet needs in that way. Um, Environmental health, which is really focused on the debris removal and and the safety element, because after a fire, uh, it can be very unsafe. There's a lot of things that have been burned now, there's ash. So it's hazardous to you and to your family. So they'll help you work through that process. Building department, because we've got to rebuild, we wanna move forward and so they'll help streamline that process and answer those questions for you. We've got two fire chiefs from Nevada County Consolidated and Penn Valley Fire, which were the two main fire districts where this fire took place. And they can answer questions about damages that maybe happened to your property during the response they can just answer questions about hey what happened to my house during the fire where did, what was the fire doing just to give you that peace of mind and that closure
2: i spoke with terry mcmahon fire marshal for nevada county consolidated and penn valley fire chief don wagner
3: what we're doing here today is we brought uh, a map of the fire and trying to answer questions that people may have about their their property anything from you know the the fire lines why dozers went bulldozers went through an area or uh, anything from that to you know what do i do when i rebuild you know are there going to be extra fees or things like that so just uh, trying to support um the nevada county oes and, and um you know just help help out where we can and just educate people
2: Can you talk about some of the damage that occurs during a fire, not from the fire itself, but from fighting the fire?
7: Everything from the retardant that gets dropped onto the buildings and the plants and the vegetation, trying to wash that off from stains to uh, the damage from running heavy equipment, the bulldozers, um, heavy fire engines, water trucks into driveways, the roads, culvert pipes, Um, going back after the fact where they've cut the, you can see the, The hash marks around the fire, um, where they've cut dozer line out of trying to uh, rehabilitate all that dozer line to prevent erosion when the winter rains come, and try to put back um, big boulders or things like that, and try to make it look like we didn't just cut a two-lane highway through the middle of the forest. Um, You know uh, those pieces, and trying to get it ready for prep it for the winter rains. That's the biggest thing. and try to prevent the runoff and the erosion, um, you know, the loss of the soil and that type of thing. Um, those are the, probably the main things after the fact.
2: Penn Valley Fire Chief Don Wagner talked about the importance and techniques used in protecting roadways during fires.
7: We, we look at every fire as a box and the smaller we can make that box, the better off we are. But we start dropping that retardant and building the box so that if, if things start and you know, we start building in the contingencies that if it gets past the first box, here's the second box and those kinds of things. And in particular on that roadway, the big concern was that um, when this fire came out um, after that system had moved through, you, the, with the way the winds and the wind, weather patterns go, it took off and it kind of shot it off with a, wind, with a little bit of a wind piece and when that winds die down and we go back to a normal on normal weather pattern this time of year for us is is with the seasonal onshore flows would take that fire from that lower part of that canyon and send that up to jump highway forty nine. And it's right into Nevada City. It's a quick run at that point up hill. So putting a lot of retardant out there to try to prevent that uh, if the embers did drop down into that stuff um, and and preparing for the next wind change of where is this thing going to go next. And stay one step ahead of where the fire is going to go and put our put ourselves between the fire and people and get people out of harm's way and that's you know so that's why you'll see a lot of retardant in some of those areas and fortunately you know we did have the aircraft available close at the grass valley base to be able to, for quick turnarounds to get that retardant down um, and and i think that was probably one of the one of the factors that helped try to guide the fire with retardant to give it a pathway and, and, you know, and limit its destruction.
2: What is in fire retardant?
7: It's mostly water. Um, there's, uh, water. Um, and then the part of the chemicals are actually kind of like a fertilizer and a little bit of clay and some colorant, so that they can see where they've dropped so that they can, you know, you, you'll see it red. Um, and you can so that the aircraft can see where they've dropped and where they haven't, and they can continue their path of the retardant. Um, most of the time the stuff that they're using now is doesn't stain the houses and the paint and the cars quite as bad as it used to be it used to to be a little bit worse for that but a lot of times you go back once you get some winter rains onto that if you go back and look at the areas where they've dumped retardant or we've even used our fire some of our wildland firefighting foams because of the detergent base to it it's going to be really lush and green there once we get some rains back to it um, because of the of the of the items that are in it, it's not toxic we don't really look at it, you know, of getting... There were a little bit of a concern on this fire where it got into some NID ditches that it flushes through. But, um, you know, when it gets does get dropped into some of these creeks and streams, it doesn't kill the fish and harm the fish and things like that. So,
2: The firefighters in, in California and all over the West are, are absolute heroes right now. What helps you guys? Like, what can people do in the community? Not necessarily in terms of donating, you know... Outside a fire station, but just like, what what do you guys hope people, the community will do that will help? You know, there
7: there was somebody just put a post up, and and I wish I could remember it kind of verbatim, but it was you know along the lines that you you know the the food issues and things we don't want to 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 be encouraging that. Um, it was one of the biggest things is a thank you. When you see us out, you know, is that thank you? Is when you see an engine staging in your neighborhood or things like that. You know, um, sometimes it's a glass of water. Sometimes it's an offer to use the bathroom. Um, sometimes it's a it's a clean towel. It's a it's a bring out a cruddy towel, you know, a damp towel to wipe their face off because we don't have those luxuries with us sometimes. And it's just you know, oftentimes it's just little simple things like that.
3: I think uh, outside us. of the fire also is or outside of fire season is uh, you know do your defensible space. You know, make sure that uh, you know your five. You know, go through the, the book that booklet that OES sent out to all the property owners, and, and get to know that, and you know that'll help us greatly too when uh, when a fire occurs, and and we always tell people in Nevada County, it's not if a fire occurs, it's when it occurs, and and I think we were pretty fortunate to keep uh, the Jones Fire at 705 acres; um, could have been far worse.
2: For those impacted by the Jones Fire, more information and resources can be found at mynevadacounty.com/slash-Jones-Fire-Recovery. This is Allie Lightfoot for KVMR. <laughs>
0: We're talking with Christine Kelly from the Nevada County Relief Fund, who are allocating some more funds. Round three of the allocation uh, just happened, didn't it, Christine?
5: It did. Very excited to announce those awards just uh, yesterday, just yesterday. People found out that that they were going to be recipients. That's always a great thing to be in somebody's inbox as good news on, you know, when we're kind of dealing with the sort of unprecedented times that we are (laughs) right now, so...
0: So this relief fund, it started out as being specifically for COVID-19, but then as the Jones Fire has come through and all the wildfires, its it's been evolving, hasn't it?
5: Yeah, and I think that you know what we're looking at is the relief fund grants that we're giving, and right now we have uh, three grant programs operating, one towards small business and nonprofits, that's, that's a micro-grant program. Um, a larger um, amount for not safety net nonprofits and, of course, um, a relief fund for the survivors of the Jones Fire. And as, you know, as we're looking at these sort of rolling, what we're calling rolling crises, um, we're starting to really think about what, how can we, as an entity, be responsive to the needs of the community in terms of building resilience. So, that's sort of the next stage of our development, I think, as an entity. The Relief Fund as an entity is, you know, how, how can we be value-add to the community?
0: Well, it's certainly been a value to a lot of uh, local business owners so far. I know that. So this was round three that just was announced yesterday?
5: Yeah, round three. Uh, we've given away six, uh, a little bit over $667,000 just, just since June. So that's pretty unprecedented. I mean, we've, we were able to raise... Close to half a million dollars in private funds and donations from the community um both in major donors that that have really stepped up in our community but also grassroots efforts I mean all of our donors are listed on on the website and you know we're it's been wonderful to it's just as great to receive a 5 dollar donation from somebody as a you know 15,000 dollar donation so it really speaks to how the community really wants to come together and support each other, which is great because we've been experiencing so much polarity, I think, um, specifically around COVID and public health issues and things. So it's just really, it is really uh, heartwarming and, and important to focus on the fact that we can come together and support each other. So, um, yeah, it's been really great to work with the fund.
0: So round three specified was specifically for what exactly?
5: So it was slightly different. The county received uh, a significant CARES Act um, package, and county the county board of supervisors uh, felt uh, was very generous and supported uh, the programs that we're doing, and uh, sort of passed through two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of that to the relief fund to be distributed. So. Very similar, we, we kind of ran it through those two um, primary programs, the nonprofit safety nets, which are really sort of the you know the food pantries. Um, we're, we were looking specifically for um, organizations that are working to help with parents and childcare and with, with kids. Um, so you'll see in, in some of those uh, grants, like Friendship Club, for example, was one of our larger awards in the nonprofit safety nets. Um, but then the small business side, um, we had $120,000 go to organizations that support small business like Grass Valley Downtown Association um, or the Chucky Downtown Merchants Association, all the way down to very, very small, almost what we call micro-businesses, sort of home, home-based um, artisans and, you know, massage therapists and like. So it's really it's tough to, to have over $1.4 in requests and only have $220,000 to give away, but we are trying to, you know, trying to look at how we can best support the community. So we have a fantastic group of people that come together every time we have, uh, it's time to distribute, and they really thoroughly research and go through every grant proposal and um, come up with a list of recommendations, which then goes to our community advisory council. Um, who approves them, and and then they get distributed into the community.
0: All right. So this was round three uh, announced yesterday. What happened? Is there a round four coming up soon then, I assume?
5: Yes. You know, every time that the fund has raised $100,000, we, uh, we distribute that money. So um, right now, I think we're looking at... Um, again sort of taking what would be a natural pause anyway in, in our cycle as we've just sort of cycled through <laughs> the bank balances down.
6: Um,
5: we're taking this opportunity to really look at what the future of the fund is as an entity and how can we how can we continue long-term support and also to work with our partners such as your business council um, to try to assess what the needs for small business are going to be in the future um, here in the next six months to a year. Uh, because, you know, sort of those immediate needs may have changed over time. Um, so we're so lucky to work with fantastic partners like SBC, um, Steve Frisch, and Kristen York, who's their VP of business development there.
0: It seems like this is a, a wonderful idea when it started, the Nevada County Relief Fund, and it's evolving as the world evolves and changes, which it has in the last six months. Uh, we were talking earlier about off the off the air about how in the future, in the next couple of months, there's going to be a lot of respiratory issues, health issues, because of all of this smoke. So that may become another prime item.
5: You know, I think that we, we hope that we can only hope that those types of, you know, Disasters and, and are not going to befell our community, but we're already, like you're saying, experiencing um, problems, people who are having respiratory issues. We're experiencing, uh, we already experienced our first wildfire of the season locally, and, and hopefully, let's all knock on wood that we don't have another. Um, but we know that that's going to be the case. Climate change is pushing us in that direction, um, and it's. Um, we need to be proactive, I think, in our response at this point, And that's what the fund is looking at. You know, we want to be um, looking forward and, and helping to create you know, sort of programs, grant programs, but also you know, sort of support of our also of our nonprofit community um, that, so that we can kind of deal with things as they're coming.
0: Well, if people wanted to donate to the Nevada County Relief Fund, how would they go about that?
5: So easy. You just go onto our website, which is um so relief.org, and um, it's very easy to make a donation um, we still have a fire relief tab up so if you're interested in donating to survivors of wildfire and whether that would be this wildfire that we just had or that we could sort of build start stockpiling a little bit for a fund for the if we have another fire come up um, but then there's also just you know sort of donating to the entirety of the fund and every dollar is working toward you know goes right back into our local community.
0: Thank you very much for all the information.
5: You're welcome thank you very much for having me on.
0: All right we've been talking with Christine Kelly from the Nevada County Relief Fund. Keep up the great work.
5: Thanks Felton. Take care.
0: We're talking with Ember Amador, the Executive Assistant of CHIRP, and CHIRP is the California Heritage Indigenous Research Project. Thank you for uh, talking with us, Ember.
4: Yeah, hi there. Good to be with you today. Thanks.
0: So you guys have a really cool live broadcast coming up, a digital broadcast that everybody can stream. That's coming up tomorrow night, Saturday, from the Center for the Arts. Why don't you tell us about it?
4: Yes, I'm I'm really excited about this event. It's going to be very educational. I feel like it'll be a really impactful, uh, definitely a cultural event. And there'll be multiple musicians, with local artists, Marie Sue and Lindsay Bellows. And then we're bringing in Ma who used to live in the area, currently in Sebastopol, but they definitely have a familiarity with this, with this region and have had songs inspired by being here. And then uh, someone we're really excited about having with us who has been such an advocate for so many various tribes around the country. Lila June Johnston, who is a singer, poet, and a powerful advocate for tribes who are needing that kind of support. Beyond all of the music, there's also going to be a showing of art, the Visibility Through Art Invisible No More initiative uh, has a collection of art that's in the Granucci Gallery at Center for the Arts currently. That's on display through September 19th if you make reservations with the center. And that is three years of art done by local artists in collaboration with the Nevada City Rancheria Nisanon Tribal Council. The art being guided by them and creating just some really significant cultural pieces. And it's free to go and see that display. Donations are certainly appreciated. But most importantly, we want people to just learn more about the tribe and those who have always been here on these lands through that art. It's a beautiful way to learn more. And so we'll have several artist interviews that will play throughout the evening on Saturday and also getting history and story and song from the tribe. So really there's going to be like a lot offered. And I think that this is an event that would, be beneficial specifically for people who are local to the area just to know more of the history of where they live. And certainly for anyone to tune in from anywhere, the more visibility that this small tribe can receive, the better. The funds from this event, as well as typically when we do fundraising events, are to go towards restoration of the tribe's federal recognition. So having their visibility be far and wide is only supportive to that cause.
0: It's coming from the Center for the Arts tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, but this is an online event. How do people tune in?
4: Yes, this is online. It'll be broadcast from the Center, making it really special. And the event will be on Facebook Live. It'll be CHIRP's Facebook page, which can be found at Nevada City Nisanon on the Facebook, or also on CHIRP's YouTube channel, which is at CHIRPCA. It's C-H-I-R-P-C-A.
0: Very good. And this all is getting under tomorrow night. About how long is it going to go for?
4: It'll be from 6 to 10 p.m. This is a virtual event. It's available to everyone, and it is free, and we are grateful for any donations. And you can access that through the Center of the Arts webpage. You can find more information and links to donate
0: there. Okay, that's the thecenterforthearts.org. I know that one, so we can throw that in. Oh, out.
4: right,
0: yes. All right, so this is all happening tomorrow night, 6 to 10 p.m., live from the Center for the Arts. It's a virtual online concert, and it's benefiting CHIRP. Uh, we've been talking with Ember Amador. Anything else you want folks to know, Ember?
4: Check out CHIRP's site, C-H-I-R-P-C-A org. It's a great place to learn more about the tribe and about CHIRP and how they're serving the tribe and to find out more about this event.
0: We've been talking with Ember Amador. You have a good weekend.
4: Thanks so much. You too.
0: Well, that's going to do it for our newscast for this evening. The KVMR Evening News is produced by Paul Emery Audio. For their support, we'd like to thank Scraps Cat and Dog Bakery. Open 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Offering deliveries and curbside pickup at 2034 Nevada City Highway, next to B&C Hardware, 530-274-4493. Sweetland Garden Mercantile in North San Juan on the Ridge. Offering organic compost tea and soil, bloom and trim supplies, also household tools, 292 sweetlandgm.com. Dig it. Well, coming up next, we're going to bring you Governor Gavin Newsom's press conference from this afternoon. Coming up at 7 o'clock this evening, it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I'm Felton Pruitt. I can tell you that even the KVMR studios smell like smoke right now, and we have a really nice air conditioning system, so please be safe and take care of each other this weekend. Avoid being outside if possible. An N95 mask is a little bit of protection. A regular cloth mask does not help very much against the smoke. If you know of someone that's having breathing issues and you have a clean air source, maybe you could invite them into your area.